Good morning, everyone. Come on in and grab a seat. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. I hope you had a great Christmas day. It is a pleasure to see all of you here. We're going to close out the year with a a few more carols today. Oh, come, all you faithful. Let's stand together. And thanks so much for being here. Let's sing, everybody. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, ye, oh, come, ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, for the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Sing it out. Sing choirs of angels. Exaltation, no scene, all these citizens, heaven above. You sound great. with everything you've got. Sing, we adore you. We adore you. We adore you. We adore you, Jesus. Yes, we do. We adore you. We adore Church, we adore.
always a good time to celebrate God's faithfulness, right? Let's do that right now. We've seen, we've heard the stories of your goodness. We're lost, then found, and broken hearts were healed. We've known, we felt the <clears throat> when mountains fell. And every wave was still. One look. One look at what you've done. Is the glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle. Every step of faith. Every victory. Rises up to say. We are the monuments of your faithfulness of your faithfulness what life what death could ever separate us the blood you shed will always be enough one look at what you've done is a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to say, we are, we are the monuments of your faithfulness, of your faithfulness. Every captive soul that has been sent free Stands and testifies We have been redeemed We are the monument Of your faithfulness These monuments These monuments Of what you've done these monuments of your great love every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come and these monuments of your great love these monuments and every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come. God, we celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate your provision. You are an awesome God. Every miracle, every miracle, Every step of faith, every victory rises up to say, we are the monument of your faithfulness. Every captive soul 
God, I know I just said this earlier. You can have a seat. I know I just said this earlier, but I wish you could hear what I'm hearing up here. You sound great. Auditions for the band are after church. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody. Super excited to see you, Rudy, as always. Very excited. Well, Christmas is a time of celebrating, and this is always my challenge. I'm just going to put it right here. There. It's kind of all wadded up now, but that's all good. Okay, well, Christmas is a time of celebrating and a time for remembrance. It really is a God-given means of remembering his great love for us and the beauty of his gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus. Another beautiful gift of remembrance is the Lord's Supper, a gift from Jesus himself. When it comes to remembering God's faithfulness, we can be especially forgetful. One striking example of this is found in the book of Exodus in chapters 14 and 16. In the span of just a couple of chapters, we see the Israelites delivered from slavery after 400 years and brought through the Red Sea, and then they are grumbling and complaining about food. We want to say to them, don't you remember what God just did? The water stood up on two sides of walls and you walked through? Don't you think that God who can do that is capable of giving you food? Just trust him. And then, of course, we remember that we do the same sort of thing. God brings us through a trial. God brings us through the past 22 months. God answers prayers. And within a few days, life goes on and it's almost forgotten. We're already looking at the next struggle on the horizon and finding reasons to gripe and complain. We have to find ways of remembering God's faithfulness. And God knows that we're forgetful, so he gives us memorials, or like we just sang, he gives us monuments. In Joshua 3, we read an amazing miracle God performed for his people. He caused the Jordan River to stop flowing so they could cross on dry ground into the promised land. God then instructed them through Joshua to gather 12 stones from the Jordan to set up as a memorial or a monument. One man from each tribe was selected to take a stone from the riverbed, and Joshua set them up as a sign. It was a sign of remembrance of what God accomplished for his people on that day. And just like the song we just sang, these monuments of what you've done, these monuments of your great love, every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come. God is so, so gracious to us. And he knows we have spiritual amnesia, right? So he knows that we're forgetful, so he gives us memorials or monuments. And he commands us to do certain things that serve as reminders. For example, taste and see 
The ordinance of the Lord's Supper is a profound way of remembering and proclaiming what Christ has done. God is gracious to give us vivid reminders and and to incorporate um, these into our various senses. In the Lord's Supper, we take in our hands the bread and the cup. And the sense of touch and smell and taste, we are, all, we are all involved as we partake of a meal representing Christ's death in our place. Let us not forget. May we be people who fight spiritual amnesia with God-given means of remembrance. So right now, I'm going to, in a moment, ask you to come forward. And um, this side to my right and this side to my left and to, to gather the elements. And for those that are you, of you that are watching on Facebook and YouTube, welcome. We're glad you're here. Take this time, too, and run and grab some elements. It doesn't have to be perfect. It could be bread, crackers, juice, water, whatever. But join us. Join us in taking the Lord's Supper together. And after you've got your elements, I'm going to pray for us, and we'll share the Lord's Supper together. So right now, why don't you go ahead and come forward at this time. Right now, I'd like to lead us in a special prayer to take communion together. So let's pray. Good morning, Father. We come before you with grateful hearts, hearts that are reminded of your faithfulness, your love, and your gift of Jesus, our salvation. We are also fully aware of how we are not worthy. Lord, I ask you to search our hearts. Reveal any wicked ways in us, God. Reveal to us right now. Lord, any unconfessed sin, anything that we need to get right with you. And now we ask for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Lord, we take communion in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. So on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And I want you to picture this. I want you to picture Jesus at the table with his disciples and picking up a piece of bread. And then he breaks it. Because it's his brokenness that gives us healing. What a beautiful picture. And when he broke the bread, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which I've given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant between God and you. Sealed by the shedding of my blood, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Words are just words, so we worship you this morning with our heart in spirit and truth. You alone have made a way for our hearts to be redeemed, to allow us to enter your presence. So we enter your presence with redeemed hearts full of gratitude. We remember your love. We remember your faithfulness. We remember your promises, your answered prayer, your gifts, your miracles, and your presence. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Carolyn, and I'd love to have everyone stand with us one more time. And worship again, and let's celebrate His goodness. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hand. That I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so. Every breath that I am made, I will see of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire, darkness night. Close like no other, known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. my life you have been so so good yes you have with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. My life laid down. I surrender now. I give you everything. Goodness is running after Running after me. One more time. Your goodness. Your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. 
Yes, it is. Your goodness is running after It's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after It's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. What time? All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Yes, you have. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing. I will sing. Of the goodness of God. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We give you all the praise and glory you deserve. In Christ's name, amen. You can have a seat, church. So all our lives, he has been faithful. All our lives, he has been good. And right now, we get to worship God with our giving. And our giving is a way to put God first in our lives. It's a way to say, God, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being good. And there are five different ways that you can give that I want to remind you of. First of all, you can give online at salonavalley.org forward slash giving. You can tap Give on our SVC phone app. If you don't have our app, you can uh, search Solana Valley Church on uh, Google Play or the App Store and download that. Number three, you can uh, give by sending a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can also text the word Give to 707. Can't read that. 883-3019. you think I would have that memorized by now. And finally, if you're here in person uh, and uh, you still write checks like I do, uh, sometimes you can place your offering in the silver mail slot, which is in the wall behind the sound booth. Um, And, you know, as always, we thank you so, so very much for your kindness and for your generosity, for your investment in building God's kingdom right here. Thank you very much. Um, At this point, I would normally be introducing Pastor Gary, inviting him up to preach, but both he and Joy are under the weather and opted to stay home today. So, uh, Gary, Joy, Rounds of All Family, we miss you very, very much. Um, You you know, he was really, really looking forward to being here. He wants you to know how sorry he is that he can't be here. And, of course, we all know how much Joy treasures the opportunity to lead all of us in worship. So, we, uh, we, we know they're missing us, and we are really missing you. But Gary is still going to be here via video. <laughs> so we're going to be showing a video message from Pastor Gary. Um, it is actually from Father's Day earlier this year, 
And um, so I, I don't I didn't want you to get confused. We're not in a time warp or anything like that. So it, it's the Father's Day message. And you know what, dads, it's always a great time to uh, to learn how to uh, improve as fathers. So um, before we switch to that video, I'd love for us to take a moment to pray for the rounds of alls. And uh, and then we will uh, get right to that. So, Father, I want to thank you. Um, again, for your faithfulness and your goodness. And I want to thank you. Speaking of faithfulness, I want to thank you for the Rounds of All family. I want to thank you for um, their faithfulness to the, the calling that you placed on their lives almost 30 years ago to plant a church that makes disciples, make disciples who plant churches and plant churches to reach our world. Um, I pray for their healing I pray for the restoration of their their bodies. I pray for their spirits. I know they want to be here, so I ask that you would give them comfort and peace and grace as they're separated from us. Uh, Again, praying for their. I I pray that you would uh, bring uh, quick healing and restoration to them. Um, Help them to get the rest that they need and and deserve. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Take it away, Pastor Gary. Hey guys, good to see you today. Happy Father's Day. Uh, today is a little bit of an experiment. We, we've done something like this before a long, long time ago, but we're going to try it again today. We're going to do a video version of my message. So um, if you hear a little bit of barking, that's probably my dog Watson. Uh, if you hear my neighbors next door, I have no control over them. But uh, I hope you guys are having a really good day today. Uh, right now, Joy, Caleb, Cass, Faith, and I are all three in Oklahoma, where we are celebrating Father's Day with Joy's mom and dad, and I'm sure we're having a really good time. Um, sorry I can't be with you today. Um, uh, for those of you at Salon Valley, really glad you're there today, and uh, thanks for worshiping with us. What we're going to do today is, I, you just saw a video by uh, called Gladiator, or a little clip from the, the video Gladiator with Russell Crowe in it, and, and uh, Russell Crowe's character, Maximus Decius Meridius, I got that said right, I think, uh, he, he has a line in the movie where he says, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Now, for Russell Crowe, that's just a line in the movie, but for you and me, that is true. That the things that we do in life echoes uh, in eternity. And so we really want to examine our lives and make sure that the things that we're doing are the kind of things that we really want to echo in eternity. Uh, before we jump into our message, though, I'd like to uh, just share with you some things that I'm really excited about. Uh, I am super excited. Today we are kicking off our 40 days of prayer. And as we are ramping up to our celebration of hope, uh, outreach uh, event, our Celebration of Hope concert, barbecue. And last week, what we did, today we talked about the, the 40 days of prayer. We announced that, and hopefully everybody signed up for that. We're, I think as of, uh, well, after last Sunday's message, I think we already had like 55 people signed up, which is really exciting. And we'd like to see everybody in our church praying together. And uh, the prayer is one of the things that we want to get better at. We We want prayer to be the most important thing we do because we believe that the church is at its best when the church is at prayer. So we really want to be in prayer. But one of the things I talked to you about last week is I shared with you the story about how I'd been praying for one of my cousins and for his salvation. And uh, I was getting ready to go uh, on a missions trip in Europe 
for a year. And I went back to see my cousin, hoping to see him. He ended up not being there. But I was able to talk with another one of my cousins, Terry, and I was able to share the gospel with him. And Terry prayed to receive Christ. Uh, Daphne made a recommitment of her life to Christ. Uh, their kids, TJ and Tabitha, both became Christians. Uh, and, and today, all of uh, Tabitha's and TJ's kids are following Jesus. And I believe that what God did then, he can still do now. I believe nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do is I want you to write down, like on a 3 by 5 card, the name of a friend that you would like to see come to know Christ. Someone in our community that you would love to see them come to know Jesus. And uh, I'd like you to take that 3 by 5 card, and then I'd like to encourage you to take that card on your mirror by where you brush your teeth. And then every morning when you're getting ready, every evening when you're brushing your teeth before you go to bed, pray for your friend. Pray for their salvation. And uh, and then if God gives you the opportunity, invite them to our uh, Celebration of Hope barbecue and concert. Uh, A couple other things I'm really excited about. One thing I'm very excited about is investing in men who are investing their lives in following Jesus. Uh, investing my life in men who want to get better at leadership, being spiritual leaders in their homes, being spiritual leaders uh, in our church, being spiritual leaders in their workplace and in our community. And uh, the reason that we want to get better at these things is because we believe uh, that our wives and our children need us to be better leaders in our homes. Uh, we're doing this because we believe that Christ's church needs um, stronger male leadership. Uh, we're doing this because our community, our nation, needs stronger, holier, humbler, uh, more courageous, and more gracious Christian leadership presence. Uh, and because our workplace is a mission field ripe for the harvest. And, and it needs uh, a healthier gospel presence in, in uh, the Christian men who fill those positions, those places. And then finally, the reason we're doing this is because we, uh, because it will bring honor and glory to Christ our Savior. And we have a couple of goals. One goal that we're working towards and that we're praying towards is three years from now, what we are praying towards and what we want to work towards is we want to see 40 men loving Jesus, following him together, living his mission together. And in five years, we want to see 40 under 40 men who are loving Jesus, men who are following Jesus, men who are living his mission together. So that's kind of where we're going with this. Uh, Today we want to talk a little bit about echoes in eternity. And real quick, I just want to kind of uh, talk to you about something I think is hugely important. Uh, The movie Gladiator, I think it kind of grabs me in in, in a lot of ways. And and I feel like uh, part of it is because sometimes as a man, life can feel like a struggle. And what the Bible teaches us is that we're in the middle. Sorry, that's Watson. uh, We are in the middle right now. Come here, boy. All right. If you haven't met Watson, this is Watson. Okay, uh, But what the Bible teaches us, it teaches us that we are in the middle uh, of a spiritual battle. And uh, we don't live our lives on a, a playground. We live our lives on a battleground. And what the Bible says, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord. We need to be strong. Uh, and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, the Bible tells us, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Uh, for our struggle... It's not against flesh and blood. We are in a real fight, a real struggle. And our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, uh, against powers, against the world forces of darkness, um, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, the Bible tells us, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Um, and having done everything to stand firm. So, um, there, you know, what, there are some men, and, and when I say this, I want to be careful how I say it, but I believe it's true. There are some men who do little more than unleash hell into the lives of their wives and their children and the people they love most. But I believe in something better in the men in our church. I think we have men in our church who really want our, our lives to echo for good in the lives of people that we love most. And, uh, and what we want to do is we want to look at what the Bible says to us about this. And so kind of the, our central text of Scripture that I'm looking at today is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Verses 13 through 14, and I want to encourage you to uh, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. And those of you who don't have a Bible, uh, today I put together a fantastic slideshow for you. Okay, and uh, so this is uh, this is our scripture for the day. Uh, the Bible says, "Be on the alert, uh, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love." And in this text, I think we see five principles, actually five imperatives. The first four imperatives, uh, according to Warren Wiersbe, all have kind of a, a military context attached to them. And I think you'll see that. And then the fifth imperative is of a, a different nature. And I'll talk more about that when we get there. The first imperative is simply this. It's, it's be on the alert. Be on the alert. And um, when I was a kid... What does it mean to be on the alert? When I was a kid, I, I learned how to be on the, the alert from a guy named Chuck Finney. I'll tell you uh, a little bit about that. When, when I was in high school, our high school football coaches would tell, tell us to keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a swivel. It's, it's the person you don't see in the middle of a play who's going to knock your head off. And so keep your head on the swivel. That means, you know, keep scanning, you know, your, your field, the, the, the field of play. Because, you, you, you know, you have to see everything. You have to see everything. You have to be ready for anything. Well, uh, one day when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, Chuck was a senior. Chuck was like a lot bigger. You know, I at that time I was about five six, I weighed one hundred thirty five pounds, and uh, Chuck was probably I don't know. He was he was about two forty. He was about a hundred pounds heavier than my, me. He was a big guy, and. Chuck was one of those guys who, he was a senior, I was a sophomore. Chuck believed in hustle. He did. And if you didn't believe in hustle, he would teach you how to believe in hustle. And he would hustle from the beginning of the play, from first whistle until the last whistle. And as far as Chuck was concerned, it didn't matter if the guy carrying the ball was on the ground. All that mattered was you hustle till you hear the whistle. Well, one day, he was playing for string offense, offensive tackle. I was dummy defense, playing uh, a defensive back position. And what Chuck would do is he would block his man on the line, and then he would move downfield, and he would always look for a second, even a third person to block. It's just the way Chuck played. Uh, he, he played with heart. He's one of those guys who who uh, was a great friend if you were in trouble, and if you weren't doing things right, he would let you know. And so this uh, this one day in practice, uh, the play, the guy that was carrying the ball got knocked, he was on the ground. The play was obviously dead, but the whistle hadn't been blown. So I kind of pulled up, and uh, and Chuck didn't. And so he was coming at me as hard and fast as he could. Now, <clears throat> I'm a little bit, I'm smaller than Chuck, but I was quicker. And at the last moment, 
uh, when I saw him, I jumped out of his way and uh, kind of like Watson jumped in my lap. I jumped out of his way and he went, you know, crashing by me. And then I said something, you know, the nice things you say in football to the other guys on the team, uh, which I can't repeat in church because it's not my church words. Anyway, uh, I said something and Chuck was mad and he came at me and it was like, you know, uh, he basically said, in, in much more colorful language, if you can't take it, get off the field. If you're not going to hustle from whistle to whistle, uh, that's not my problem. And uh, But what Chuck taught me was to be on the alert. And the truth uh, is that for men uh, who are in combat, if Warren Wiersbe is right that this does come from a, a, a military context, um, for men in combat, you've got to be on the alert. You've got to keep your head on the swivel. It's going to be the guy you don't see who's going to be the one who kills you. And, and, and what the Scripture tells us is that we need to be on the alert. Uh, and we need to be on the alert for two reasons. First of all, we need to be on the alert. The Bible says this in First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, Be on the alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, which reminds me a lot of Chuck Finney when I was playing football. Uh, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And what Peter is telling us in this text is we need to be on the alert because we have this enemy, uh, the devil. The Bible also tells us that we need to be on the alert because uh, a time is coming when Jesus is coming again. And, and so what Peter, or excuse me, what Jesus tells us in Matthew 24:42 is he says, "Therefore, uh, keep watch or be on the alert because you do not know on what day your Lord will come." And so we need to, if we are going to leave echoes for good uh, for eternity in the lives of the people we love most, then we need to be on the alert because we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Secondly, we need to be on the alert. But secondly, we also need to uh, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. That, um, that to stand firm means to hold one's ground. It means to maintain a position. It means to be steadfast or upright. Uh, it means to not break ranks. Um, in Roman, the Roman army, uh, uh, they had what they called a maniple. And it was a military formation where the men had to stand their ground uh, and where they had to stand together. And, and, and it was hugely important that you stood your ground, that you stood together, that you did not break, uh, break ranks. Um, that uh, there was one ancient historian who said that no part of drill, meaning military drill, is more essential in action than for soldiers to keep their ranks with the greatest exactness. That, that, that the life of the person next to me depended upon me not breaking ranks. It, it depended upon me standing firm with the guy on my right, the guy on my left. That the only way that we were going to be victorious is if we stood together. That the only way that we were going to make it out alive is is if we we were to stand firm together. Uh, There's a scene in the movie Gladiator 
where again this now Maximus is he, he's fighting uh, on in the Colosseum. He's fighting uh, uh, as a gladiator, and they were supposed to be representing the forces of uh, of Carthage, who was one of the ancient uh, enemies of Rome. And uh, and the other guys were supposed to be uh, representative of Rome, and so uh, their their enemies they were all on foot, but their enemies were all in in chariots and were armed with bows, arrows, things like that. And so what what Maximus says to the guys with, with him is he says we have a better chance of survival if we work together, we stay together, we survive. And what Russell Crowe said in that movie was very much true in combat in the ancient world. And for you and me in spiritual combat, it's true that we have got to stand firm in the faith. Uh, one of the men who I think is a fantastic example of what it means to stand firm in the faith uh, that I have seen this in is in my father-in-law, Vic Moreland. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, Vic, is 81 years old, and he is still standing firm, proclaiming the gospel week after week. In fact, this morning, Father's Day, uh, 2019, he is just finishing up. Today is his final day serving as an interim pastor of a, of a, a church uh, in Cushing, Oklahoma, that has been without a pastor. And even though he's 81 years old, he's not coasting to the finish. He is still standing firm in the faith. He's still proclaiming the gospel. And, and gentlemen, that's what our families need from us. They need us to be on the alert. They need us to stand firm in the faith. Third principle we see in this text is this. The third principle is this. Is uh, it's this right here? Act like men. Act like men. And uh, that's what it says in 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 um, in First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. It says, "Act like men." Now, in the NIV and the New Living Translation, a couple other translations, they translate this word as. Uh, be courageous, and certainly courage is implied in the verb. But the verb is andrizomai, and it literally means to act like men. And, and why was that important in ancient Corinth? Uh, I believe that there were some problems in the church in Corinth where some of the men weren't really standing up uh, the way they needed to. They weren't acting like men. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, It was a call to be courageous, uh, to courageous manliness at an hour when mature leadership was needed. Now, for you, I don't know what it means, what you think of when you think of the term uh, act like men. When I was a boy, the way I defined manliness was um, I thought being a real man looked kind of like uh, looked like a cross between Clint Eastwood, uh, Larry Zonka. If you don't know who Larry Zonka is, uh, back in the 70s, he was this incredible running back for the Miami Dolphins. And he was... He would literally knock people out and sometimes knock himself out when he was running the ball. He was one of the most punishing running backs in the NFL at that time. And so for me, my picture of manhood kind of looked like a cross like of Clint Eastwood, you know, kind of high plains drifter, tough guy, that kind of thing, you know, Pell Rider, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it looked like a cross between Clint Eastwood being tough. It looked like Larry Zonka being strong, and it looked like um, – it looked like James Bond, you know, uh, super sophisticated, uh, uh, super sophisticated, always, kind of, you know, always prepared for whatever happened, uh, kind of a ladies' man, and that was what I thought uh, real manhood looked, real 
That's what I thought real manhood looked like. Now, that idea of manhood wasn't taught to me by my dad. My dad was nothing like that. Uh, that, that kind of manhood was not taught to me by uh, the, the, the men that I, I esteemed the most in my life, but it was taught to me uh, through w- what I saw championed in TV and in movies and things like that. And uh, today I have a different champion. Uh, today I have a different model of manhood. And today my model of manhood is Jesus. And what does it mean to act like men? And I, I wrote up a definition of what I think uh, a real man looks like a while back. Uh, I did this when going through a study called Men's Fraternity. And this is my, um, this is, uh, this is my definition of manhood, which I borrowed from uh, Robert Lewis, um, former pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, and read, wrote a few books. But I borrowed it from him, and then I, I changed it up a little bit. But my belief is that real manhood refuses passivity, accepts responsibility, uh, loves sacrificially, and leads with integrity. That's what I believe real manhood looks like. He refuses passivity. Uh, he accepts responsibility, loves sacrificially, uh, and, and uh, leads with in- integrity. I-, I believe this kind of man is tough, but he's not mean. I think he has the capacity to be gentle and gracious and kind. Uh, this kind of man is strong, but it's not you know, by how much he can bench press. It's strength of character. And, um, and, and this kind of man is a man of integrity. Uh, he's not a ladies' man, but a man of integrity. Uh, one of the men in my life today who uh, I really look up to is my son. And I believe that my son, I, I, at age 24, I mean, he's way ahead of the game of where I was. But a lot of what I've said I see in my son, that my, my son is a young man who refuses passivity, he accepts responsibility, he loves sacrificially, and he leads with integrity. And it's one of the things that I really, um, I, I, I deeply value uh, in, in my son. Uh, fourth principle we see in this text is this. The fourth principle is to, uh, is, sorry, that was Watson. Uh, the fourth principle is this, be strong, be strong. And I've actually already kind of touched base on this a little bit in my, in talking about acting like men. But to be strong, this isn't about how much you can bench press. Uh, this is about strength of character. And a man who really modeled this for me in my life, uh, was my, my Uncle Jim. Uh, my, my Uncle Jim was, he, he worked hard, uh, for a living all his life. And then, you know, his real, his calling was to ministry. But he had to be, be like a lot of pastors, he had to be bivocational in, in that part of the country at that time. He had to be bivocational, and so he worked really hard for a living. And one of the things he did was he was a carpenter. And I can remember even up into his 50s, and I was in my 20s, and back in my 20s, I was, um, uh, bigger, stronger than I'd been, like in high school, and and you know, spent a little bit of time in the weight room, and 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 thought I was athletic, thought I was strong, but I can remember even then, as a young man in my twenties, when I'm at quote unquote the peak of my strength, I can remember shaking hands with my uncle Jim, and his hands were just they were so big and so thick and so strong, and he would always give me a grip that said to me, Gary. 
I may be in my 50s, and you may be in your 20s, but I can still take you. But my Uncle Jim wasn't just physically strong. He had strength of character. He was a man who um, was a picture of, of strength of character, uh, that he was gentle, uh, but he was resilient. He was resolute. He was steadfast. He was unwavering. He was t- tenacious. He was unyielding. He was a man who I felt like modeled what real strength is supposed to look for in the life of a man. Uh, finally, uh, the, uh, the fifth principle that we see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is this. is It says... Um, it says, let all that you do, let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. And, and what the Bible teaches us is it teaches us that we need to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. That we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we need to love one another in the church. Uh, Jesus teaches us that we need to love one another just as he loves us. Uh, that we need to love our enemies, and that's the hardest love of all. And then finally, uh, guys, we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church and uh, gave himself up for her. And so what that means is we need to sacrificially love our wives. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad was my dad was a very good man. He was loved, very loved by, by people back in Little Rock. And uh, to this day, from every once in a while... I'll get a, a comment from someone on uh, Facebook, uh, kind of reminiscing about my dad. Uh, but my dad, what what people celebrated in my dad was that, a couple of things. They did celebrate a sense of humor. He was very funny, and uh, and uh, yeah, he was just a funny guy. He was a really funny guy. But beyond that, uh, what my dad did, and one of the things that really stood out to me, was the way he loved my mom. That I, I don't think I, I really don't know another man who loved his wife more tenderly, um, more sincerely than my dad loved my mom. And I, I think that if you were to ask my kids what they, what, what they think of first when they think of their papa, I think every one of my kids will tell you that um, his love for their nana. And uh, something that I saw in my dad, something my mom saw in him, something my sister saw in him, or see uh, that my kids, my wife, uh, that people at their church. But he was just a man who really uh, loved his wife. And, and, and guys, we need to be men who, that we do all that we do in love, that we need to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves, uh, which, by the way, that's the reason we do things like like Week of Hope is loving people in our community uh, so that we can point them to Jesus. Uh, but we need to love one another as Christ loves us. Uh, we need to love our enemies and, we, and men. We need to love our wives. We need to love our families as Christ loves the church. Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Uh, that some men really do, they, they do little except unleash hell in the lives of their wives, their sons, their daughters, and the people they love most. But like I said earlier in this uh, message, I, I believe in something better in the men of our church. I think we are men 
who want to leave echoes in eternity. And we want to leave echoes in, in the lives of our wives and of our children. And the way that we can leave echoes of good is by being alert, standing firm in the faith, acting like men, being strong, letting all that we do be done in love. Let's pray. God, we, you are a good God. You are a good God, and you, uh, you're doing a good work in us, and we are grateful for that. Uh, God, uh, we, we need uh, your, your word. The Bible tells us that your strength is displayed in our weakness, and God, we need you to be strong where we're weak. Uh, that we need uh, you, uh, we need your strength so that we can be strong in your might. And, um, and, and so, God, what we pray for today, we, we need you. Uh, to help us to be alert. We need you to help us to stand firm in the faith. That we need you, God. We need you uh, to act like men, to be strong, to let all that we do be done in love. And so, God, I pray and ask that you would help us to do that. God, I, today I want to pray for your blessing on everybody who's there at Solana Valley Church. I want to pray for your blessing on every family that calls our church home, on the life of every person that calls our church home. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right, guys. Happy Father's Day. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll correct that. Happy New Year's. Well, I think that message is a great way to go into the new year as well and just take those characteristics with us. So, um, again, a timely message regardless of what time of year it is. It's always good to hear. Um, I just want to highlight a few announcements for us. We are having a New Year's Eve party that will be right here at East Coast time from 7 to 9 p.m. on the 31st. Um, Please bring an appetizer to share, a board game you'd like to play, or just any other kind of game that you think would be fun. And then just let us know that you are coming by signing up at the welcome table at the back. We'd appreciate that. And then we are so looking forward to the new series that will be beginning on January 9th. It's on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, Gary will be starting the new series. Um, Lord willing, he'll be feeling better. Um, And then we also have a whole slew of new small groups that will be starting and kind of following along on that same topic on Galatians. So um, check out our app under groups. You can find out who's meeting, when, where, all those kinds of details, what they're what book they'll be using Um, and then just also think to yourself who can I invite to church with me to listen to this um, uh, message series and then who can I invite to group with me as well Um, so you could be the one like um, Gary shared he shared the message with his cousins and that um, went through to his cousin's kids and their kids so it was kind of like a cool generational thing that we could see and that God might be using you in that same way and then finally we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who donated um, to our food drive to the food bank of Contra Costa Solano and our coat drive for the leaven um, thanks to you that we have three full overflowing barrels in the back there for families in our community and that we were also able to give over or 85 coats to the kids at the 11 so that is just a huge blessing yeah go ahead and clap for that that is so exciting um, most of these kids are used to wearing secondhand clothing 
So to get that brand new winter coat for them to wear, that's something I'm sure they'll cherish and will remember for the rest of their lives. So again, a great um, work for everyone to bring and bless the community. And just thank you again for your generosity and for loving and serving on our community. Go ahead, Matt. Turn it back to you. Thank you very much also, church. Let's stand together one last time. Our final song of the year. And our final carol of the season. Angels we've heard. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. you got Gloria. There you go. In Excelsis Deo. 
you so much for being with us today. Looking forward to seeing you at our New Year's Eve party. Rounds of all, we love you. We're praying for you. Take care, everybody. God bless.